Welcome to the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast that's raising the bar on craft cocktails. I am your host, Louise Solace, and with me, as always, is my very, very talented friend who I would sip Mai Tais with any day of the week, the mixtress DC Gina. Do you love a Mai Tai with you, Louise? I know. Or a glass of water sign. What else? Uh, yeah. Just being with you is So. It's Women's Month. It is Women's Month. So this week, we're adding a splash of aloha to our Women's Month lineup. So to do that, I'd like to first share an extraordinary story of a woman from my, one of my favorite places on earth, Hawaii. So born in 1927 in Paea, Hawaii, that's on the Big Island, Patsy Takimoto Mink made history with a number of firsts. She was the first Japanese American to practice law in Hawaii. She was the first woman of color and first Asian American woman elected to the United States House of Representatives and in 1972, she became the first Asian-American to run for Democratic nomination for president. Wow. Yeah. Just a pure trailblazer. She has a really, she's a long list of groundbreaking achievements, obviously. She tirelessly advocated for women's rights. She made it her mission in Congress to craft and champion legislation that opened more doors for women to earn education and join the workforce. Um, she co-authored a and helped pass Title IX, which was a land, landmark piece of legislation that expanded education opportunities for women mm -hmm. and changed the game for women in sports as well. Just two years later, she facilitated the passage of the Women's Education Equity Act, which is the WEEA, apparently, which provided federal funding for practical resources for women, such as training and materials to help young women and girls to succeed throughout the educational system. Um, unfortunately, she did pass away in 2002, but the Patsy Takimoto Mink Education Foundation was established um, in 2003, and um, still, it still to this day is dedicated and committed to educational access and opportunity for equality for low-income women wow. and help enrich children's lives. So that was Patsy Takamoto Mink. And the lychee in this martini just might be the fact that Patsy was honored with the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2014. Wow. You like that? A little yeah. lychee in your martini? I like, I like inspirational women that do good for other women. Yeah, she did. She did. Her entire life was dedicated to that. So speaking of extraordinary women with remarkable stories that should be shared brings me to today's designated drinker, who also strives to help people become a better version of themselves, the founder of Jubilee Counseling and Wellness, Javon Townsend. Welcome to the show, Javon. Hi, thanks for having me. Hi. Great to be here. Yes. Yes, absolutely. We're so excited to have you, especially part of our Women's Month yeah. um, lineup of amazing women. Tell us a little bit about um, the Jubilee Counseling and Wellness. Yeah, thank you. Um, so Jubilee is my uh, practice for mental health services. And uh, so I provide a few different kinds of services through Jubilee. Um, one of them is individual therapy for adults. Um, and then the others are uh, group-based. Um, so play groups art-based groups, movement-based groups, they're all therapeutic in nature, but sort of center um, things like connection and joy, um, and also teach uh, workshops. So helping people learn skills through these workshops um, that they can also use outside of the time that we have together. Yeah, so that's, that's, awesome. that's Jubilee that's awesome. in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> a Jubilee nutshell, if you will. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
mean, I think of like celebrating, like celebrating life. I'm kind of into that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah cool. Celebrating <laughs> wellness and mental health. That's amazing. But Javon, how did you do this? Like, like you know, you just you didn't just show up on the scene. You're like, I'm just gonna open this. So what, what happened? <laughs> I feel like that's how it happened, but that's not how it happened. <laughs> um, so I have um, been a social worker for uh, over ten years, about ten years. Um, I've been licensed for 10 years, I should say. Uh, And I um, worked uh, in a bunch of different capacities, uh, but mostly I worked with children and their families. And um, I was sort of brought in most of the time to help support children and families, but it was often sort of addressing systemic issues through, oh, fix this child. Uh, but in mm. reality, most of the time, what I was seeing from the children were like they were responding to something environmental that had to do with like connection or safety. Um, and so for years of, of sort of <laughs> not feeling like I quite fit into the models or the systems that I was being asked to participate in, um, you know, trying to come up with behavior plans when really like the behavior is letting us know that this child doesn't feel safe. Um, so why don't we focus on making the child feel safe or like making sure yeah. all the children feel safe, you know? Um, if the issue is like connection, then like a timeout isn't going to address <laughs> uh, the fact that the child needs to be held, you know what I mean? Um, mm. And so, um, and just recognizing that like the people that I was supporting, like the caregivers, right, their families, the teachers, the staff, you know, any of the people that are coming into contact with these children, uh, they're tapped out too, right? They're they're also striving for connection and uh, they're also trying to feel safe. Um, and so even if I could um, provide a space for the child in which they felt safe and connected, you know, if they were just with me in our, in our individual sessions, that could take us so far. But um, how also do you support the people who are supporting the children, right? Because yeah. they don't exist in a vacuum and I'm not with them all the time anyway. I don't want to be. Right? <laughs> 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 They're not my kids. <laughs> um, but, but, I, but my work was sort of feeling taxing to me because I could see the limitations of like this idea that a quote unquote therapist or a quote unquote behavioral specialist can really address these like large scale community level, um, sy- systems level, you know, uh, issues. Um, so I had to get out of that work. <laughs> it was really, yeah. it was taking a toll on me. Um, and so as a, a way to sort of figure out what was next, um, I applied for a Fulbright grant and I went to Ghana for a year. Wow. Um, and I did some research. That's impressive. Yes. It was pretty Very cool. Very impressive. Yeah. <laughs> I went to Ghana for a year um, and I interviewed people who have children that are um, five years and younger. So uh, one of the things about being a black woman in this field is that um, most of our work uh, is sort of coming from a place where white and middle class is the norm. Um, but most of the people that I was working with were not white or if they were white, they weren't middle class. Um, and so it was, it was difficult to rely on this research and this work that sort of centers the experience of people that don't have similar experiences of the people that I'm working with. Um, the other thing about uh, research in psychology, social work, any of those fields um, that, that I was drawing research from to do my work 
is that um, most of the stuff that you would see on black people, especially black people who are coming from lower income environments, um, is like deficit based. And I was over mm. it. <laughs> I was like, I don't yeah. want to read another study that's talking to me about whatever ways that we're quote unquote failing or any other ways that we're struggling. Like we have a lot of strengths and I really feel like that should be highlighted. And if anything, that we should be starting from our strengths to sort yeah. of help people make the progress that they want to make rather than sort of starting from this place of like, oh, those poor folks that are suffering. Um, so my research was sort of based in like, what are people already doing well to facilitate connection um, between them and their children and whatever community supports that they have. It's really interesting to think that, that you know, our, the approach to like mental health is this one size fits all. And I'm not surprised to hear that there's not been much research on um, any other uh, minority group, especially when it comes to this, because it stands true through almost everything, including, I mean, all healthcare. I mean, mm -hmm. women, one is the first deficit, and then you go into any space of color, and it's even, mm -hmm. it's, it's just the research hasn't been done. I would mm -hmm. imagine it would be very difficult to be able to, to want to help, but not have that support or that knowledge to, or that research to be able to lean on to help Absolutely. you make better decisions. And when it's done, it's coming from the perspective of like, you know, even when we talk about like women as a as a group, right? So like, um, I'm really small. <laughs> and so like, if I were to sit in a chair or like drive a car, right? Like yep. that, those things are designed with the quote unquote average person in mind. Yep. Um, yep. And the average person includes tall men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like their bodies are very different than my body. So where that seatbelt is going to hit on them or, you know, mm -hmm. another person that could fall within quote unquote average, it doesn't yep. take my body into account at all. So like seatbelts are, I mean, they're going to do their job for me, but they're not going to do their job as well as they could do if my body were taken into account when they were designed, right? Yeah. Um, and so thinking about like uh, programs that we're offering to people, you know, social programs, or we're designing them based on what someone else's experience, someone else's set of resources, someone else's strengths, like it's not going to, you're not going to see what you think you're going to see. Um, and you might even be measuring things that are appearing as deficits that aren't actually deficits because of the metric that's being used. So you use movement in your therapy, right? Mm -hmm. Movement and art. Yeah. So how does that how does that work? So explain that to us, please. So um, a traditional talk therapy is really useful in that it can like bring things to the surface that maybe we haven't acknowledged before. Um, but our we as people are sort of combination of mind, body, and spirit, right? We're not separate pieces and parts like capitalism sort of like teaches us that we have like we're separate right but ultimately like we're we're whole beings that have like all of these different parts to us um and so we are designed to move around like repetitive motion that comes with capitalism or like being stagnant in in a, a seat all day is not what's actually natural to us um what's natural for us is to be moving around um, and our emotions are actually physical experiences. So, mm. um, yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> well, I guess if you think about when your heart flutters or your, your 
yeah, with, I mean, you think about those things, like you, again, like you feel better when you're with your friends or that, that you, you the smile is a, a physical reaction to that. Gina usually scowls when she sees me. It's a whole nother emotion. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking I work in a restaurant and I move around all day long. I should be fucking the happiest person on earth. But I, I'm like, I don't know. I move all day. I'm thinking, I'm, but that kind of movement now. maybe isn't therapeutic, right? Uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to think how can I make it more like therapeutic as I'm going I'm like I don't know mm-hmm. I can I can cut the pickle like more gracefully like, more yeah I don't know and the, and the other thing about the way that we work that sort of um is different than this kind of movement is that it's not always mindful like we're not always in the present like sometimes we're checked out right so like if I'm doing oh, a task sure. that I've done all the time I'm repeating this task because this is my job like I used to work at Starbucks when I was in high school <laughs> and I actually really enjoyed it but you know it was a lot of repetitive movement of like put this here pull this out here turn this up here right and so I'm doing a lot of it without really being present um, yeah because it's tedious and I don't really enjoy things that are tedious sometimes. Um, not that I mean that's a normal human thing is to sort of check out. So um, so the movement that I offer to people in um, both the group space and the individual space um, is sort of designed to help people to connect with their emotions um, and also to move through emotions that are getting stuck, right? So if you ever like, um, maybe there's something that you want to say that feels hard to say and you sort of like feel like your throat tightening up, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Um, that's a, like a physical response to an emotion, right? Like there might be fear, there might be shame, there might be guilt, there's something that's that your body is communicating to you through that um, experience. Or maybe you feel anxious about something and you notice that you have butterflies in your stomach, right? Um, and so you might feel your body tighten up and that also interferes with like the way that you think. You might not be able to think as clearly um, if your body is in like this response to stress. Um, and so offering people skills and um, movements to help them sort of move through those things allows them to think more clearly and allows them to sort of be more present and respond in ways that they want to respond versus the ways that they've learned to respond through survival. Interesting. Yeah. That's cool. Can you just come to work with me? How much do you, <laughs> what do you, what do you cost? I'm, I'm in. <laughs> so, so what she did, what I did ask Javon, if she could give us one little thing that we could do in this movement. And she said she'd be willing to share something with us. I'm open do you to mind? it. All right. Yeah, let's do it. So, um, okay. Uh, breath work is is where I often start with people. It's a really simple way um, to help reconnect with your body and also to, um, yeah, we we hold our breath a lot without recognizing it and we take shallow breaths a lot. Um, but we really need oxygen, like it's, you know, <laughs> like an actual physical need. Um, and uh, so often we're, we're, we're sort of operating, going back to the idea of a deficit, but we're sort of operating um, on the lower end of what our body actually needs to operate um, optimally. Um, and also for us to be able to think clearly and have access to um, that part of our, our minds. So um, we can start just by... Um, if you want to place one hand like over your heart, like where your heart is. Like right um, or left. I prefer to have it over your left because that's where your heart is and, and feeling your heartbeat can help ground you in your body. Um, and then you can put your other hand like where your belly button is or uh, just a little bit above it if that's more comfortable. Um, and then I would invite you to put your feet flat on the floor if that's possible and comfortable for you. 
Um, I'm shorter, so I usually have to like slide a little bit to the end <laughs> of my seat um, and try to try to lift up your um, spine, like imagining that there's like a string that's attached to the ceiling that's connecting you. Um, you can rest your chin down a little bit just to um, relax your throat. And then uh, if you feel safe and comfortable to close your eyes, you can, you don't have to though. If you don't want to, you can just like gaze softly straight ahead and just take a couple of natural breaths and just pay attention to any sensations that you're feeling, maybe noticing any movement in your hands, uh, maybe noticing any of what your breath feels like in your chest. Okay. So um, what did you notice? I want to take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> no, I um, when you do that, you like um, I've had children. Mm -hmm. So when you're telling me to do that, when, when you get anxious and you're pregnant, they tell you to just like calm, calm yourself down. Mm -hmm. uh, you just kind of like hold on to your, hold your belly mm -hmm. or concentrate on your breathing. Mm -hmm. So honestly, what I really just thought of, I just thought of labor for a minute. Oh, wow. <laughs> I just thought of like that moment, like when they're just like, just breathe because you yeah. have to breathe, you know? Yeah. I was um, uh, feeling the expansion in my spine mm. mm -hmm. because I was taking deeper breaths, to your yeah. point, taking more aware of where that breath was coming from. Yeah. Um, and it, I felt the expansion in my spine. Yeah. Our you bodies are this. sort of able <laughs> no, to. No, I did. <laughs> she did have she a little cheated. bit of a headset. She had the pre-interview with you, please. Um, but yeah, our, our bodies sort of hold on to our emotions, right? So if we're tense often, if we're anxious, if we're angry, if we're whatever, and, and then we don't release it, um, our bodies will sort of hold on to it. So I, I tend to hold my stress in my shoulders and my neck. Me too. Um, some people have it also in their lower back or... Um, in their chest or belly. So this time I would invite you to rest both of your hands on your belly. And we'll just do a couple of uh, intentional deep breaths together just as a, a demo. Um, and again, if you feel safe and comfortable to close your eyes, you can do that. Um, and I'm gonna I invite you to- <laughs> well, I was like, good night. Take a nap. <laughs> ready to take a nap. You need more rest. I think that's what your body is telling you. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I have two kids, so. Yeah. And lots of restaurants. It's tough to, to fit it in. Um, yeah, so, uh, and this is a way that you can actually get rest even when you're really busy, is just to take a minute or two to do some deep breathing. So resting your hands on your belly, that's just helping you to concentrate your attention there. Um, and then I would invite you to take in a deep breath in through your nose and push out through your mouth. And another one, breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth. And this time as you're breathing in, imagining that your belly's like a balloon that's filling up when you inhale and like it's deflating gently when you exhale. And one more with that visual in mind. Try to fill up that balloon as much as you can with your inhale and push as much as you can out with the exhale to make room for more to enter back in. So that's as far as I'll take us today because I know we have to run. <laughs> um, but uh, that is a really simple exercise that I do with almost anybody that I work with just as a way to one, reconnect with your body, um, two, to help with things like depression or anxiety, right? Those things usually take us out of the present um, and breath, focusing on your breath brings you to like the immediate moment. Like you can't really focus on 
Um, well, you can, but <laughs> the idea is that it helps you to it helps you to learn the practice of of centering the present in your mind and in your body, um, and that assists with all of those other symptoms that we often find in ourselves. That's actually how I. Uh, That's amazing. Try to prepare myself for sleep. Yeah, it's the deep breaths. That's how yeah. I actually prepare in when I'm trying when to sleep, uh, or when I'm. Actively. You don't have children. I don't. I don't. Okay. But that's when I'm when I'm. Do resting. you specialize in moms <laughs> and dads that have children? I work. I absolutely work with caregivers all the time, and they learn these skills <laughs> and they do them, and they're better. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> let me tell you, I prepare for sleep. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. I, I'm fully prepared. I'm prepared to pass out right here. <laughs> it's way I because I, my brain, I got to shut down my brain is what yeah. it is, and that's how I try to like, I try to in, try to visualize a blank board. Like I look, I have a chalkboard in my head, and I visually wipe it off. Mm. I'm trying to visualize taking all the thoughts out, and I don't let myself put anything back on that board. That's amazing. That is amazing. Think about breathing, because what happens, and if I actively keep the board blank, I can't let my brain go anywhere else. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. It it sometimes works that in really storytelling podcasts, to be honest. (laughs) I'm going to give you guys something to envision. Imagine this is the shower door, Uh (laughs) and you're behind this, and you're taking a shower. And on this side of the shower door, two little girls going, are you done? And they're wiping the steam off of the glass because they're like, what are you doing? And you're like, you can't even have one minute to yourself in the shower, no matter what. Yeah. Don't you have a lock on the door? I do. (laughs) They are very, they're seven and eight, and they are very much in my- They're real serious of honesty, so they can pick it, uh, pick. a, they a are, lot. They're in my space. They're constantly in my space. Like, yeah. until I go to bed. And then even then, they wake me up in the morning, and sometimes they give you a little eye, like, Mom, are you up? <laughs> no, I'm not up. I am now. I'm not up. I am now. <laughs> so I, I think on this, um, at this point, how about we talk about the cocktail that, oh, yeah, that so um, Javon inspired? Okay, so so I read, it, I read a little bit about you, and <laughs> what this is, what you're going to do is you're going to take two slices of jalapeno with the seeds. Like, don't get rid of the seeds unless you don't like it spicy, you can you can omit it. And you're gonna take two slices of jalapeno, you're gonna squeeze half the juice of a lime and about, I don't know, a couple of flakes of uh, uh, sea salt. And you're gonna put it in the bottom of your glass and you're gonna cut one orange to fit the bottom of your glass and you're gonna muddle all of this together. And not like, you don't have to muddle it to death, just muddle it enough that it's like, you know, combining the juices and the orange and the um, jalapeno flavor. Then you're gonna add two ounces of rum. And I use 10 to one, which is a nice Caribbean rum. It's just really, um, really well balanced. That's it's a just, white rum, right? It's a white rum, It's um, but it's like, it's nice and balanced. Just want something that's really smooth. Then you're gonna fill it with uh, crushed ice. And if you don't have crushed ice, something cold. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then you're gonna top it. And I used um, I used the Reed's Extra uh, Ginger Beer. Mm-hmm. You're gonna top it with ginger beer. Give it a slight stir and that's it. It's a very simple cocktail. Mm. But the little bit of salt with the jalapeno and the orange and the lime is really lovely. And if you want to make this non-alcoholic because you're not drinking right now, you know, super easy. 
Just use the ginger beer and omit the rum and you're good to go. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah, so you get a nice flavor from it. Yeah. Well, what I like about it, it's got that earthiness. I love jalapenos, the earthiness of the pepper, a little bit of heat, and the brightness of the orange. It's really beautiful. Yeah, you could just rum with it. Ah! Oh, <laughs> I'll be Jeez. here all week, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, I'm going to take another drink. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> so where are they going to go to get this recipe? You're going to go to designateddrinker.show for the recipe and a link um, to Jubilee. Yes. I don't know. I think the breath work might be something I need to do in my life. Like maybe like sit down and like, I don't know, maybe just breathe. That'd be great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even if you just do it for one minute a day, I promise it really does. That's amazing. It really does have an impact. You know, I never think about I don't think about it. I'm always just like, just go, 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 mm -hmm. go, 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 And then yeah. crash. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, no, then it's like go home and then be mom. You know, yeah. And then I would overcompensate because I work a lot. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I have to be more than mom. Yeah. So because I have to be better than the mom that might be the stay-at-home mom because I'm the working mom, so I feel guilty that I don't have, like, you know, all those hours, like yeah. some of my friends. Maybe you should sign up for one of my groups. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a great fit for you. Yeah, I know. I feel like I'd probably really benefit from it. Yeah. yeah anyway. You're, you're a perfect anyway, candidate. I know. Mom. I really am. I'm a perfect candidate for some mental wellness, like uh, wellness for sure. Yeah. I, I do hope that you're able to um, find a way to, to find some time to care for yourself. You know, self-care is one of those things that's become commercialized, but it really genuinely is just taking care of yourself, right? So even if you find, you know, one minute to take breaths, if you find one minute to like be in silence before you see your children, right? If you find um, five minutes in your work day to just take a break and go outside and get some fresh air, like all of those things are wellness activities that you can, you know, add to your day to sort of promote your own wellness, you know? That's, That's pretty great. awesome. It's great that those are just, you make them sound simple, but if you, you're mindful, it can actually help. Mm -hmm. Can I ask you a question? How did you know you wanted to help people? Um, mm. That's a good question. <laughs> I think that, I think for me, it's, it's always been a part of who I am. I think it's, the work has been figuring out how to do that more than that it's what I want to do, right? Um, and I think that time away from that work that I was doing that was really taxing is what allowed me to, to tap into like what feels natural to me, right? So play feels natural to me. Art feels natural to me. I already have these skills of being a therapist. How can I pull those all together um, and finding like, wow, actually, I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> <laughs> when you when you do the art therapy, do you do you do it with people that are nonverbal or elderly, or do you do it with everybody? Everybody. Um, I haven't That's actually amazing. recently worked with anyone who's nonverbal, but when I worked with young children, um, and some of those children didn't speak English, you know, we were able to to get into some of those questions of like, hey, what's going on there? through some of their drawings, um, which is really neat, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's very cool. Yeah, it's that breaking through and having having conversations with yeah. somebody who you can't converse with. That's yeah. that's amazing. All right, so I'm gonna ask a question that nobody wants to ask. Okay. Right, because they, want, they don't want to sound stupid. And I, well, not stupid, just not informed. What is the difference between a social worker and a psychologist? Mm, that's not a dumb question. 
Um, so yeah, so social work is a broader spectrum of what kinds of things you can do. Um, so psychologists uh, specifically work with mental health, um, often doing things like testing in addition to potentially doing therapy. Um, I'm not really uh, licensed to do testing, so psychological testing could be something like do I have autism? Do I have ADHD? Do I have, mm. you know, one of those things? A psychologist is able to do that. Um, as a social worker, I could work in a community setting doing like um, program management. Uh, I could also do therapy if I wanted to, which is what I'm doing now. Um, we approach uh, the person from slightly different uh, perspectives. So psychology sent tends to, from my perspective, tends to, to center the individual. Uh, social work t tends to center the individual within their environmental context, um, which was a better fit for me having like an anthropology background and being black. <laughs> you can't really, we're not individuals. We know that we're not individuals. Uh, and so we um, sort of approach uh, personhood from the idea of like being part of a collective or being part of a community or an oh, environment. Yeah, it is. Um, white folks are also not individuals, but but you have a different cultural understanding of that. So um, with the systems that are designed from that norm, um, you often find like the individual as centered. Um, but for me, social work felt like a better fit because it had more space for me to acknowledge the other parts of what makes people the way they are. Is that clear? Yes, yeah, and yeah. that's awesome, actually. Yeah. yeah. I was just thinking about um, a scenario work that that would work perfectly mm -hmm. of how to explain it, but that's just, I'm sorry, I, just, I was just thinking as you were saying that, I was like, wow. Yeah. I, I don't think, I, I'm glad I asked the question because like I, I often don't know like, you know, like what really defines the difference between the two, you know, yeah. and like I really, I needed that clarification too, I think. Yeah. And now this is going to sound ridiculous. I have a degree from University of Maryland in psychology. <laughs> <laughs> it's not ridiculous though. We're all really siloed, which is kind of silly, right? Because we're doing similar yeah. work, but like don't really interact with one another. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, so a social worker could become licensed to do therapists, but they might not be. Um, a psychologist is usually able to become a therapist if they want to, once they have like a certain completion of education than they do but got it yeah do you got use it. a um, psychology degree a lot <laughs> no yeah I think well no I use my I bet you do my, <laughs> I, bet, I probably should have gotten a babysitting degree like I because I have like a restaurant you know I don't yeah. know yeah you gotta you gotta know things about people to manage them for sure yeah it's yeah. a lot of work every yeah. day but yeah. I like it you love yeah. it. I do love it. I do and love you're making I do. delicious cocktails that I can't wait to try. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We will get them to you. Where, so where, where are you located? I'm in Baltimore. You're in Baltimore. And do you do yeah. any tele, like uh, teleclasses? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a um, mindfulness through art workshop that I offer um, that I can do in person and I can also do online. Um, and I hope to offer it again this spring. We're coming up on spring though, so yeah, yikes. Um, and then <laughs> I also offer play-based workshops and once the weather warms up, so we like meet in a park and I um, have a, a, a program that we follow, um, but allows people to sort of tap into play. 
Um, and then I'm currently offering individual therapy online, so I'm not doing any in-person. I can only see people that are in the state of Maryland, um, but it is online therapy for anybody who would be interested in that. That's awesome. Yeah. You live in Maryland. Yeah. No, I know. <laughs> I know where well, I live. Virtual workshops are open to anybody. You don't have to live in Maryland to do a workshop. That's that's stuff. I don't need a license or license to do you know workshops. That's just from me, not from the yeah. state. So <laughs> anybody who wants to join those. I feel like it'd be naughty to be like, oh, well, we're going to do this, this this cocktail therapy workshop. Because I'm like, could work. Ah. I mean, it could really loosen you up for the breathing. Like, yeah, so do the shot of mezcal and we'll see what happens next. Well, on, on, and on that, I want to make sure we remind our listeners they can go to show or even just look at the episode notes and we'll make sure we have links to you, yeah. uh, to Jubilee, so that way if anyone's interested and wants to find out more, it's not hard to reach you. It'd be Would very easy to find you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. All right, so in this day and age, you know, every, so I'll ask questions. So, so how we know if you listen to the show or not. So in this day and age, everybody, you know, identifies themselves with a spirit, animal, or creature, mm-hmm. uh, mythical or living. And um, you might identify yourself with a sparrow because they're beautiful and, like, you know, they're totally in tune with their environment and which is what's the loveliest about that bird. Anyway, if you can identify yourself as an ingredient, whether it's in food or a cocktail, Mm. what would that ingredient be and why? Oh, I have to think of something that's sweet and spicy at the same time. First thing is usually the best answer. Yeah, I... But I'm like blanking on, there's a food that I can taste in my mouth, but I can't think of what it is. <laughs> but maybe ginger beer could be it because it is sweet and spicy at the same time. And I think that's what I really love about it. You know, like you get both of those things. I definitely think that I am sweet and spicy at the same time. <laughs> it's bubbly. For better or worse. It's bubbly. I love yeah. That. yeah. 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 It's good I think for the that's soul. me. I love that. That's a great answer. It is too. Ginger is so good for your body, you know? Exactly. Yes, absolutely. So this cocktail is is spicy, sweet, and bubbly, just like you. Just like me. (laughs) Thank you for sharing your time and your story and your life story with us um, and how to breathe better. Cheers. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers. The Designated Drinker Show is produced by Missing Link, a podcast media company that is dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is Roger That, a podcast dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia, led by skilled caregivers Bobby and Mike Carducci. Now, if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy the theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and everything in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows. Your review helps our shows reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company.